December 7th will be our last WAG of this year, and Ann and Lindsay are going to teach on that day. And then we won't start back up until January the 11th. Um, and we did that because the school calendar, I think the kids go back to school on the 4th. And that Wednesday is just a little soon for everyone to feel a little discombobulated after the holiday. So we wanted to give everybody a chance to kind of have a week. And then I wanted to put this up here, and I put some flyers in the back. Alicia Bryan, if y'all were here the day she gave her testimony, she has this place called the Divine Health Center. And what Alicia does is she incorporates the whole person, so clean eating, clean living, with immunotherapy, and she works with a scientist from Europe that's really, they have made tremendous strides with all diseases. And so she's putting together two days of healing where it's gonna start at about nine in the morning. Um, Casey's gonna do art therapy. I'm gonna do inner healing. Then you're gonna have lunch with farm table, which is clean eating, because food is our medicine. Uh, Deborah Daniels is gonna walk people through the trauma healing prayer. Dr. Mark Jones, he has a program called Trinity Healing, which is um, renew, restore, and I can't think of the last one, but he's gonna do a mini Trinity Healing. And then her friend Nancy's coming to talk about healing oils. If you have any doubt about healing oils, they are in the Bible. The Lord had very specific ways that oils were to be used as well as eating. Um, anyway, it's going to be kind of a really cool day. So if you're interested, I in, email right here, and then there is a cost um, to do this. So if you want to give yourself a Christmas present, this may be the thing to do. Or um, if you uh, have someone that you may want to gift that to, or who knows. But anyway, yeah, my birthday present to myself this year was to have someone come hang our Christmas lights. Which happened on Monday. Yes, it did. I was so excited. And my husband's like, well, what are you doing? And I was like, yeah, this is my birthday present to myself that someone will hang the Christmas lights. Because he's always like, oh, I'll get around it. Well, he's gone with the hunting season, and no one wants to do it. And so that was my happiness to myself was that that would get done. And um, I'm kind of excited I got it done this year. Anyway, all right. Um, we are going to start in Psalm 16. Um, it's fun. Anne had sent this to me a couple of days ago. And she said, oh, Ashley, I meant to read this over you on your birthday. And I was like, how did you know Psalm 16 is like one of my favorite psalms, my go-to psalms ever? Do you all have your Bibles with you? If you do, uh, go ahead and open them up. I just want to make sure you can track with me. Um, I always write in my Bible, too. And today we're talking, by the way, about Jesus and his heart of thanksgiving and Jesus as the thankful son. And um, in verse 7, it says, it starts off saying, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I will not be shaken. I love that verse that, that we, can, we can see it and we can hear it. But for me, I'm a really practical person. I've always been practical. And so that one verse that it says, I've set the Lord always before me. When I first came to know the Lord, I'm like, how? How do we do that? Because we can hear it. We can read it. And it can be a concept. But how do we apply that? And that's what I love about Jesus is that Jesus is so practical. And he, everything he does is applicable. You know, he's not just a concept. If we don't understand how to apply that, y'all, it's just a concept. It's just something that we regurgitate. It's just something that we say. It's not really something that we're able to take and own and then live out in our life. You know, we can say, well, I've set the Lord always before me, but then that double-mindedness comes in where things happen in our life and all of a sudden we're shifted over here and the problem and the negativity 
in the circumstance and we've completely lost sight of the Lord being before us. So when I was digging into this about, okay, you know, the Lord brought that verse up to me and then Anne had sort of confirmed it when she sent it to me. And it really, Jesus really began to show me that Thanksgiving was really the how in his ministry. You know, how was Jesus doing all this? We really have to understand Jesus was fully man. He came as fully man. He was fully God, but he was fully man, anointed and commissioned by the Holy Spirit to live um, a life that would open the door to the miraculous in our lives. So Jesus, the thanksgiving that he lived with, his posture, his position here on this earth, his platform was thanksgiving. You know, he lived on earth, but he had a heavenly platform, and that was thanksgiving. So which means that however Jesus led his life as a man is the example for how we're going to do it. So we're going to then set, thanksgiving is going to be how we're going to set the Lord always before us. Um, It was always Jesus' launching point uh, to be in thanksgiving, to give thanks to his Father. He, it says in the scriptures, you know, he often went alone to be with the Lord. Now, we're not always privy to those conversations, but I imagine those conversations started out a lot like, Father, thank you. Father, you are amazing. Just like when we're singing in August to singing How Great Is Our God. It's one of my favorite um, praise songs ever because really just praising the greatness of God, no matter what is happening here, I imagine that Jesus starts off his conversations that way. Um, You know, Jesus always gave out of overflow. So how did he do that? Because we want to be able to give out of overflow. Well, it's because he always started with thanksgiving. He stayed in that posture, that position of giving thanks. And this is the, there were several things that the Lord really highlighted to me about when we understand what it means to give God thanks. And it's not thanks um, in the way that we see it. You know, in our world, we're trained to give thanks. Like when you give a child something like, say, thank you. You know, you're, you're trained to kind of like this, have this little reciprocation. And that's not what Thanksgiving is in the biblical sense. It's really um, so much bigger than that. And one of the things that it does when we understand the way that Jesus gave thanks is it merges our identity with God's. That's what Jesus knew. He knew that when he continued to stay on that platform of thanksgiving, no matter what was happening around him, he would be able to merge his identity with the Father, which means he would be in communion with the Father, which means it would take his eyes off of the natural, the temporal, and his eyes would then be on to the Father. It directly bypasses our logic. You know, it's in our um, logical sense, we, uh, there, there are a lot of things that we don't have a place where we want to be thankful for them, or we're in a position where it's, it's difficult. You know, how do you be thankful in that? And it's not being thankful about the circumstances, it's being in thanks about who God is, who he says he is. So Jesus knew this. He knew that when he stayed in that position of thanksgiving, he was able to then merge his identity with the Lord. Um, On the night that he was betrayed, when we read in Matthew about the Last Supper, you see continually that he breaks the bread and he gives thanks. He lifts the wine and he gives thanks. What this ought to teach us is, you know, he knew that his enemies were plotting against him. He knew that. He knew what was to come. And y'all, he did not want to do it. He did not want to be tortured, have his beard ripped out, 
to be pierced, to be hung on the cross. He did not. In his man sense, in every part of his being, every part of his carnal nature is saying, no, I don't want to do this. And he knows his enemies are plotting against him. But where is he? His position is one of thanks. And he's not thanking God for the bread. It doesn't give us um, exactly what he said, but he's thanking him for what's, getting, what's going to be. God, thank you. Thank you for this sacrifice. Thank you for what's coming, which, which really ought to uh, teach us and lead us into when things are not coming our way, our position is one of thanksgiving for God being who he says he is. It's not about the, um, the situation. It's not about just giving um, God lip service. It's the fact that we realize when our enemy, when the enemy is plotting against us, which he does, when we stay on that platform of thanksgiving, we are able to merge our identity with God's and we are able to usher in the miraculous. The second thing the Lord told me was thanksgiving really keeps us from being offended with him. Y'all, the spirit of offense is so rampant right now. I mean, you can just open up Facebook and people are just offended about everything. I mean, offended that someone doesn't like apples. I don't even know. Offended <laughs> about everything. And then someone posted and then someone's like, I'm really offended. It's, it's just the spirit of the age right now is to live in offense. And there's this really weird thing where it's almost like a badge of honor to be offended now. Because people feel like, well, you need to be offended so that you can fight for what's right. And I want to say, but you're in the wrong camp. Where are you fighting from? You're fighting from offense. And Jesus didn't teach us to come from offense, y'all. I'm not saying that things don't wound us and hurt us. But what's so tricky about the spirit of offense is that it actually, um, it breeds discontentment and disappointment, which really leads to rebellion against the Lord. And you find yourself in that place that... Um, you're just unhappy and you don't really know why. But it's just a low level thing, so you, it's easy to ignore it when you keep yourself busy. But that spirit of offense really just breeds this low level discontentment. I, I heard this line the other night, I was watching, um, do y'all, have any of y'all watched The Crown on Netflix? Have you seen that miniseries? I, I love like um, British history. And he was talking to the queen, Queen Elizabeth at that time, her private secretary, and she was wanting to pick the second in command to be his replacement. And he made the, and he was saying, well, that's, no, he said, you know, um, rot, rot starts in the small things. Meaning if she deviated from their protocol, even though it's a small deviation, it would create rot in their protocol. And I was thinking, wow, that's such a good line. Because rot does start in the small things, y'all. We get offended in the little things and we never deal with them and we think well That's just not really that big of a deal But then it just begins to grow and that spirit of offense keeps um, wanting to take more territory But the beautiful thing is Thanksgiving is what keeps us from that that, that does not mean that you're not going to get angry at the Lord It's very different. I have had times when I'm angry with God, but I don't walk out on him when you're offended, you walk out, and you don't want to hear what he has to say. And you don't want to think that he could possibly be any different. That's different. It's okay to get angry with God. He's big enough to handle it. But just don't walk out on him. He still wants to be in communion with you. And Thanksgiving gives you that ability to stay in communion with him even when you're angry about what's going on. I mean, I've had that conversation more times than I, than I can even tell y'all about. I mean, 
y'all know relationships are tough, whether it's with your children or your spouse, it doesn't matter. And things happen, conversations happen, and you're angry, and I get angry sometimes at God because I'm like, okay, I just want to break from this, you know? But I don't get offended with him because I'm not seeing what I need happen right then. I just, I, then I just say, but Lord, you are amazing, and you love me. And I begin to ask him what he says about me. So I, I keep myself out of that place of offense. John the Baptist in Matthew 11, remember when um, he gets arrested and he's in prison? And I'm going to paraphrase this, but you can find it in Matthew 11. And he's in prison and he's kind of like, wow, okay, Jesus, look, hey, you, I was preparing the way for you and I'm in prison and whoa, what happened, you know? Um, And so he sends his disciples, John the Baptist sends his disciples to Jesus to say, okay, are you really the one or is there someone else that we should be looking for? Because John's in prison and that wasn't part of what he understood was going to happen. And Jesus says, you know, go tell John that the blind see, that the lame walk, and go tell him that blessed are those who do not take offense in me. Blessed are those who are not offended in me. Y'all, it's not always going to go the way that we think it's going to go. Ashley, Matthew what? Matthew 11. Uh, 11.6 is where you can find that. Yeah, Matthew 11.6. Blessed is he who takes no offense at me. Because you've got to realize something about offense, y'all. You can either live in blessing or under the curse. When you don't get offended with the Lord... An offense is something that you're going to hang on to. It's not something that you're going to let go. Um, Like I said, people in our culture think it's a badge of honor. But it really brings you up under the curse because what did Jesus say? Blessed are those who are not offended in me. So it's really a choice. Do you want to live under blessing or under curse? Don't get offended in me. And there was a lot of things that people got offended what Jesus did. And even the disciples got offended that he allowed himself to be hung on the cross. They're like, why are you doing this? Wait a minute. This wasn't, you said you were going to do this. They were offended at him. And he was setting the stage. He said, John, look, I I realize you're in prison. I realize this is not going to go down the way that you think it's going to go down. But don't get offended in me. Don't lose sight. Don't give up giving thanks for our great and mighty God. Don't, Don't focus on the things that are happening here. Focus on you know who God is. Focus on the fact that you knew exactly what to do was to go ahead in the wilderness and prepare a place. Blessed are those who aren't offended in me. Offense is so easy to pick up, y'all, and then it just eventually erodes that platform of thanksgiving, and it happens so quickly. You know, um, the one way to kind of figure out, well, am I offended or not, because I don't really think that we're cognizant of it sometimes, is to listen to your language. If there's grumbling and complaining, then there's offense. And you know, to be honest, grumbling and complaining really is the language of hell. I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I'm just gonna be really honest with you that that's really where it comes from. It doesn't come from the Lord. Grumbling and complaining, which is very uh, acceptable in our culture, and, and people grumble and complain, especially on social media, we're just getting, it's becoming ingrained. Be offended, grumble, complain, let the world know how miserable you are. Um, but that's really the language of hell. It does not come from the Lord. He says, give thanks in all things, in all things. Meaning whatever situation you find yourself in, when you give thanks to God, 
It is miraculous, and miraculous things are going to happen. You are merging your identity with, with him, which says, I'm not going to be defined by this world, Lord. And this world wants to define you. I, I think we all realize that by now. This world wants to define us. In fact, one of the things I say to um, all of my kids, uh, we've got one in eighth grade who's getting ready to head into high school. But one of the questions I posed to all three of them before they went to high school was, you need to decide who you're going to be. Because it's very different when you step onto that campus, it will want to define you. And if you don't know who you are, it will define you. So I say that to you all, you need to decide who you're going to be because when you leave this room, this world, our phones, our uh, relationships, what our social obligations, it will want to define you. And you have to decide, who am I and where does my identity come from? And if it comes from the Lord, then I encourage you to really practice being in thanksgiving with him all the time. When you do not allow yourself to get offended, then you don't have to worry about double-mindedness. And people say, well, I feel double-minded. Well, that, that really opens, that really comes in with the spirit of offense because we're really not believing that God is who he says he is, and so we're, we're clinging back to this, and we're wanting this to happen even though we don't see it. The first fruit of our lips, really, when we learn that the first fruit of our lips can be thanksgiving, we, we begin to release that power and that understanding that the power of life and death truly is on our tongue. And first fruits is a principle in the Bible. When the Lord was setting up feast in the way to honor him, the first fruits was um, they would wait for the new moon to come and whatever their harvest, the first fruits of their harvest, they would give that back to the Lord. So it's still a, prince, a biblical principle that he desires for us to apply on our own personal level. The first fruit of our lips in the morning. The first um, fruit of our lips to another. You know, what is that? What is, the, what is the first thing coming out of our mouth? I just might encourage you to pay a little bit of attention to that because then you can sort of figure out, wow, is there any rot here? Is there any place where rot is trying to encroach in my life? Because we, we do live, if y'all were here last time I spoke and I spoke about how there's such a push for us to live externally that when we um, are pulled by that external pull, we, we don't have the ability to, to stop and check in a lot with what's going on. I'm not talking about constant introspection and um, you know, feeling down about yourself. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about checking in with the Lord to say, wow, wait, what was the first thing that came out of my mouth? Was it blessing or was it grumbling? You know, when Jesus was going to feed the 5,000 and the disciples, they're all standing around and they're really worried because it's getting dark and, you know, there's only one little kid with lunch and they're like, you know what, the markets are far away. We need to send, like, these people need to get out of here. We don't have anything for them. They're getting worked up. They are worried. They are anxious. They are, you know, probably bumping into each other, trying to figure out what are we going to do, scrounge up all the stuff. And Jesus is like, hey, everybody, just calm down, sit down. He takes the bread and he gives thanks. You know, the miracle didn't happen when Jesus told them to sit down. The miracle did not happen when he took the bread. The miracle happened when he gave thanks. Which leads me to my third point, that Thanksgiving ushers in the miracles. You want to see more miracles in your life, then I encourage you to spend more time in Thanksgiving and less time in the circular thinking of, what am I going to do? How do I do this? Oh my goodness, oh my gosh. 
Thanksgiving opens the door to miracles. When the miracle happened, he gave thanks and God was ushered in. You know, the Bible says that we enter his, um, enter his gates with thanksgiving. It's the way that we open the door to get into the presence of God. People say, well, I, I want to feel God more. I want to I be in God's presence more. You're, the work part for you is you need to be in thanksgiving more. You know, you, you realize um, you, you actually have to strive to enter his rest. Once you're there, you're resting. But we have to practice his presence. And the way that you do that, y'all, is through thanksgiving. You practice the presence of God because when you begin to magnify him, when you begin to magnify what he does, I mean, all through the Old Testament when he was setting up these festivals, he was saying, you know, the reason for this is so that you remember what I do, that you, that you know who I am, that you practice my presence. That was the whole reason for him laying out the calendar with these very strategic um, festivals. In fact, the pilgrims, when they came over to sell, when they celebrated the first Thanksgiving, you know, the New World was not the first place they stopped. They actually went to Holland. And they lived in Holland, and they were with um, a certain sect of Jews. And those Jews taught them about the biblical feasts and festivals. And when they came over, their Thanksgiving was actually a replication of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is what we just celebrated last month. It was sort of a shadow of that. In fact, the pilgrims, they, didn't, they were you know, sometimes very legalistic. They didn't celebrate Christmas or Easter because they felt like those were man-made holidays. But they followed the Jewish festivals because they had learned about that from the Jews in Holland. So um, when the Lord had set all of that up, it, it was his way of, of teaching people in the natural to stay in that place of thanksgiving. When you understand that, you realize that's how you dismantle the darkness. You dismantle the darkness with thanksgiving by speaking out of who God is. I often think about Paul and Silas in Acts. They're in prison. I'm sure they were not thrilled to be in prison, but at the same time, they knew exactly how to war, and they began to praise and sing to the Lord, and the earth shook, and the chains broke off, and they were free. Because they knew that Thanksgiving is the most powerful weapon that you can pick up. It's a powerful weapon. We off, it's not about recognition and appreciation, which it is to us in the natural. Well, you want to write a thank you note to appreciate that person. You want to recognize that that person did that. That's what we do in the natural. It's not like that in the heavens. It's the way that we usher in the miraculous. It's the way that we merge our identity with the Lord. It's a weapon of warfare, and Jesus knew that. He knew that so much that the night that his enemies were plotting against him, he's giving thanks which we ought to pay attention to that. Because all of us know at some point we're gonna face a situation. Bad news, bad report, tough relationship, trauma, whatever it is. The first thing Jesus would pick up is say, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Psalm 16, further down, it says, um, you have made known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. The way to get the joy, y'all, the way to get his joy is you enter into his presence, and the way that you do that is with thanksgiving. If you are in a place where maybe um, you just feel really flat and life feels dull, life feels stagnant, 
Um, it's not that there's maybe anything really bad going on. It just feels monotonous. And sometimes monotony can feel like dread. I encourage you to take your phone and set a timer for every 30 minutes. And when it goes off, I want you to give thanks to God. I want you to begin, you know, this is, our brain is a muscle. This is, what well, Thanksgiving comes from our spirit, man. Remember we talked about how we're three-part beings. We're spirit, we're mind, and we're body. So when we grow our spirit, man, and the one way we grow our spirit, man, is to give thanks. The danger about not growing our spirit, man, is what it says in Proverbs 25, 28. It says, a person who has no rule over his spirit is like a city broken down without walls. That's a dangerous place to live because you know what? When your spirit man is not built up, you're leaking. And the enemy can come in and pillage you. And that is not a place that you want to live from. You do not want to be consistently pillaged by the enemy because your spirit man is broken down. And it's like a city with no walls where anyone can come in and take anything. And the enemy uses people to do it. It's not like it's a, just a direct thing. A lot of times he um, uses individuals who are unaware to come in and pillage. You know, like you've ever had, um, maybe you have a certain friend or relationship that every time you are with that person you leave and you feel exhausted and drained and you feel like, wow, I am just, I'm exhausted. Because you, and in the natural we talk about boundaries. Well, how do you set those in the spirit? You build your spirit, man. And the best way to do that is thanksgiving, moving in thanks towards the Lord. So when we're setting the timer in the natural, which you may think, well, Ashley, that seems really silly. I mean, you don't know all the things I've got to do. I, I don't know all the things you've got to do, but I know that I've done it before in seasons of my life where I just felt flat. It wasn't like there was a lot going on. It was just sort of, I felt like a, um, you know, like when a balloon just sort of deflates. I was like, wow. And I have to tell y'all, the holidays are an interesting time because um, they're, uh, more than not, for, for many people, they're not times of joy. I remember the first holidays after my dad committed suicide. He committed suicide in October and Thanksgiving was right around the corner. I remember the first Christmas without him. I remember my first holiday after I got divorced. The divorce was final in October and Thanksgiving was right around the corner. It was not fun. And so for me, the holidays, it's always like we have this, you know, got a brace, got a brace, got a brace, the holidays, you know. Um, but when the Lord revealed to me the strategy of Thanksgiving, it really dismantled all that other stuff. Y'all, we really are, this sounds so, um, I know sometimes when I talk like this, it sounds like, wow, you're so dramatic, but we really are in a war. We really are in a war with an enemy that we are um, at times really unknown how he's moving. If we, were, if we were looking at ourselves in the spiritual right now, we'd all be in a military war room and we would be plotting, hey, we're gonna go from here to here and this is how we're gonna do it. See, I know that every single time I go to pray for someone, I'm going in for a hostage. They've been taken captive. I know that I don't just, someone says, Ashley, will you come pray with so-and-so? And I'm like, oh, yeah, and it's just cavalier. It's never cavalier to me because I know I'm going in to retrieve a hostage that's been taken to the other side, and they're captives, and they don't know how to get out. 
And one of the first strategies that I move in every time I ever pray for someone is I give thanks to God. I give thanks to God. That is the platform that I start from. Because Jesus lived on this earth, y'all, but he lived on that heavenly platform of thanksgiving. He knew exactly how to move on this earth and how to win every single time. Every <coughs> single time. And it's not a feeling. <laughs> I think that's the hardest thing that um, in our society we really value feelings and expressing your feelings. And it's, you're not always going to feel thankful. And it's not a feeling. We're building up our spirit, man. It's a strategy. The feeling will follow. You have to lead your feelings. Jesus did not feel like getting on the cross. He didn't feel like it. And I mean, you saw it in the garden. He's saying, Lord, I, please take this cup from me. I, I, don't want to be, I don't want to be doing this. You know, like I've said before, y'all, there's only one thing that trumps the will of God, and that's your will. And if you want your will to be in alignment with him, you need to learn the strategy of thanksgiving. You need to learn how to give thanks to God. Then you will see your will come under the obedience of the Lord and things will become a lot easier for you. And things will begin to shift around you in the natural. I mean, if you think about it, in the natural, let's say, um, how often do sometimes you just feel unappreciated? Whether it's in your own home, whether it's with your friends, you just don't feel appreciated. And then all of a sudden, someone out of the blue just says thank you or maybe brings you a note, or writes you a note, or brings you flowers. How much does that do for us in our natural sense? If it has that much power to change a dynamic in the natural, it has miraculous power in the spiritual. Miraculous power. I mean, you have the weapon. It's easy, it's not hard, but it's just we're not trained by our culture to do that. But Jesus very much trained the disciples to do it. They did not have the breakthrough until he died on the cross. They didn't have the breakthrough until the Holy Spirit came and rested upon them. We have the Holy Spirit. He's with us all the time. So we have the ability. It's just we have to learn to train our mind to start doing it. It's like learning to ride a bike. All right, how am I going to do this, Lord? And I'm going to walk you through in a second. I'm going to show you a very specific psalm, and I'm going to teach you how this looks because... It's so applicable, and it's so much easier than you think. But I also want to give you this. I want to I just challenge y'all this holiday season to not get offended. And I know in-laws are tough. I know, I don't know, marriages are tough. My gosh, it can be, you know, whatever, Thanksgiving morning, and you're having everyone over there, and then you and your husband get in a riff. I mean, wow, and you're like, wow, this is great. Okay. By the way, that happens to me many times before I come to WAG. I'm like, wow. This is good. Okay, thanks, Lord. You know, I'm like, but then I'm like, you know what? Bless you, bless this, and God, you know, but I've done this so much now that I just know it's just distraction. So it's honestly got, you know, it used to be really, it would be pretty apparent. But if I had got offended, then I am completely surrendered in the wrong camp, and I'm taken hostage. You might as well lead me away with my wrist bound if I get offended because I've just given over my agreement to the wrong place. But when I say no, I refuse to get offended with you. I refuse to get offended with in-laws, outlaws, whoever it is coming over or we're going there. I refuse that I'm walking in the blessing. And what happens is the Holy Spirit just 
gets bigger and bigger and bigger around me and things shift and they don't bother me. It's like the little darts come and then it's like, pew, they just, the shield, Holy Spirit shield. You know, you can pray that over yourself. Holy Spirit shield right now. It says that he will quench the fiery darts. Like It's like water. Those darts won't even get to you. But if I get offended, if I move out of that place of understanding that I am thankful wherever I am, then I'm helpless. And we're not helpless. We are not helpless people. We are equipped. When I look out at y'all, I know that the Lord specifically commissions me to equip people in his heavenly strategies. I know that is a calling on my life. So when I look out, I'm equipping you. I'm not up here giving you a concept. I'm not up here giving you information. I'm equipping you. I'm going to tell you a little story. I was thinking about this story when I was driving over here because there's a difference between um, application and information. You know, we several years ago, about two years ago, I think it was, it was April, that time of the year, and we'd gone down to the coast with our kids, Carl and I, and we were going down there for a wedding, but at the same time, Carl wanted to take the kids flounder gigging. I don't know if y'all have ever done that, where you get on the boat at night and you gig the flounders. It's dark, which, I'm, yeah, it's great. It's fun. Anyway, the weather at that time of year can sometimes be unpredictable because you've got a norther or in the southern winds, things are sort of um, in chaos a little bit. And so the weather had not been very reliable that day. And, um, but the guy that we were going to go with is young obviously probably doesn't have kids and so he's thinking, oh yeah we can it's fine we'll just we'll just kind of chase in and out of these storms we'll be fine and I'm like mm-hmm. you know of course the boys are all like yes and Carl's like oh honey we're, we're fine we're fine and we get on this boat and we're on a little boat and when you're out in the coast as y'all know you can see for miles so you can see the skyline and you can see these huge thunderheads all around us and we're, out, and we're out there, and he's like, we got we to gotta hurry. You know, the guy's like, we got to hurry. I'll be watching these storms. We're going we're gonna to get in here. We're going to do this really fast. And I'm sitting there thinking, you know, this is probably, like, not the smartest thing I've ever done in my life. But I didn't want to argue with Carl in front of the children. I don't do that, period. I don't. I mean, if I, I didn't have a chance to pull him aside because we're all in the suburban and we're making this decision, so I just thought... And honestly, Carl has been through so much in his life that I really do in the natural... I, I, feel he carries a huge anointing of protection like he's shot point Blake in the stomach he rode bulls for a living the guy has almost died five different times so he has this anointing for life on him so I know that and there really isn't anything in the natural that he probably can't get us out of but at the same time we're relying on this young guy who's young and doesn't have any life experience and so we're there and we start it's pitch it becomes pitch black and we're gigging, and the guy's watching. He's like, you know, we got to go. We got to go. Like, the, the storms are coming in faster than I thought. And I'm like, yes, okay, okay, okay. Um, and George is like, Mom, I'm so scared. And you can see lightning starting all around us. And we are zipping back on this boat in the dark through the water. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. Ridiculous. And I'm like, all right, well, praise you, Lord. And I'm just kind of under my breath. We get off the boat. I'm like, okay, thank God. We get in the car. We're, we're in Rockport, so we're driving back to Corpus. And I am driving the car because Carl has had some health issues and I don't like him driving at night because his balance hasn't been the best. And so he's in the very back, we're in a suburban, George and Richard in the middle, Garrison's in the front. And I mean, it, the, the skies unload. And I mean unload. And we are on a black, dark county road and the water is coming down sideways. It's like, you feel like I'm in a hurricane. Coming down sideways and you can just see it like washing over the road and the lightning is, um, it's blinding because it's so pitch black and then it would 
you know, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, and our phones are going off on the emergency, there's a tornado. And it's going off in the car, and it is, it is horrible, and I'm thinking, shit, first of all. <laughs> and I'm just clutching the wheel, and the kids are like, oh my gosh, this is, and they are freaking, they're starting to freak out, and this is bad. I'm like, this is bad, this is bad. <laughs> And I'm like, and Carl, and I'm like, and Carl's mic's like, honey, well, you're fine, you're fine. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not. I was like, I need you to pray, Carl. I was like, you need to pray. So he kind of like crawls up. He doesn't have a seatbelt on. He's sitting in the middle. And he's like, well, and this is what he starts to say. He says, well, you know, we just thank you for these tires and the way they're going to grip the road and um, this car and this safe car. And he starts to give information about the car. And Garrison's like, Dad, that is not praying. Like, you're not praying. And I was like, yeah, that's not helping me right now. That's not helping me. And so I'm like, okay, y'all, th- let's just thank you, Lord. Jesus, you rebuke the storm. So I just begin as I'm clutching this wheel and, you know, I begin to magnify God. Versus allowing, you know, the problem y'all wants to be magnified. It wants to have conversation with you all the time. But do you see the difference? And I'm not saying that to um, dishonor Carl. I mean, we've laughed about that. But there's a difference between information and magnifying our Lord. Being thankful and just regurgitating information doesn't help anything. But sitting in that place where you can magnify the Lord changes everything now needless to say we got home we were fine i was like this is you know obviously note to self probably not a good idea to listen to the 20 year old fonder gigging guide when the storms are around you don't want to do that again um but it changed the atmosphere in our car that everyone just went okay lord and the kids begin thank you jesus thank you father we rebuke you in the name of storm be rebuked in jesus name there's a big difference between just regurgitating information about our tires um it was not helpful at the time, <laughs> hilariously, but not helpful. Um, this is what I want to do in August, if you're able to come play for our activation time. I want, to, I want you, I'm going to read Psalm 18, and this is a psalm that I want you, if you have a list of things of like go-to arsenal, in my belt kind of things, Psalm 18 is going to become one of those psalms for you. It's, a, it's going to be a little long, and I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation, but any translation is just as powerful. But this is how David magnified the Lord. And this is how we magnify the Lord and give thanks no matter what our circumstances. But I want you to think about, I want you to think right now about a situation. Just, just take one situation where you need breakthrough. Doesn't matter what it is. Doesn't matter if it is... Um, a physical healing breakthrough doesn't matter if it is a relationship I don't financial it doesn't matter what it is I just want you to reflect on that place as I begin to read the psalm over you now when I read a psalm and I'm using it as a weapon I often put my name in it and I often make it present tense because it's a now word and we get to do that with God's word that's how it says pick up the word of God you can created in the present tense. You can put your name in it. So I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but this is how it goes. Lord, I passionately love you. I want to embrace you for now you've become my power. You're as real to me as bedrock beneath my feet, like a castle on a cliff, my forever firm fortress, my mountain of hiding, my pathway of escape, my tower of rescue where no, no one can reach me. My secret strength and shield around me. You, God, are salvation's rays of brightness shining on the hillside. 
You, Lord, are always the champion of my cause. So all I need to do, God, is call on you. I sing to you because you're praiseworthy, Lord. And when I do, I am safe and I'm sound in you. For when the spirit of death tries to wrap its chains around me, God, you are there. And when the terrifying torrents of destruction overwhelm me, trying to take me to death's door, to doom's domain, I cry out to you, God. And I thank you, Father God, that you deliver me. From your temple throne, you hear my troubled cry. My sobs come right into your heart, God, and you turn your face and you rescue me. The earth itself shivers and shakes. It reels and it rocks before you, Lord, as the mountains tremble and melt away. For your anger was kindled and it's burning on my behalf. Fierce flames, God, come from your mouth, erupt with blazing burning coals as smoke and fire encircle you. You, God, stretch out heaven's curtain, open and come to my defense. Swiftly you ride to earth as the stormy sky is lowered. You ride a chariot of thunderclouds amidst thick darkness, a cherub, steed, and swoop down, soaring on the wings of spirit and wind. Wrapped and hidden in the thick clouds, your thunder tabernacle circles around you, and you hide yourself in mystery darkness. The dense rain clouds are your garments. Suddenly, the brilliance of your presence, God, breaks through with lightning bolts and with a mighty storm from heaven, like a tempest dropping coals of fire. The Lord thunders, the great God above every God, speaks with his thunder voice from the skies. What fearsome hailstones and flashes of fire are before him. You release your lightning arrows and rout my foes. See how they run and scatter in fear. And then with your mighty roar, God, you laid bare the foundations of the earth, uncovering the secret source of the sea. The hidden depths of land and sea were exposed by the hurricane blast of your hot breath. And then you reach down from heaven, all the way from the sky to the sea. You reach down into my darkness to rescue me. You take me out of my calamity and chaos and draw me to yourself. You take me from the depths of my despair. Even though I feel helpless in the hands of my hateful enemy, you, God, deliver me. And when I am weakest in my enemy's attack, Lord, you hold me. Your love breaks open the way, and you bring me into a beautiful, broad place. You rescue me because you delight in me. You reward me for what's doing right and staying pure. And I follow your commands, and I never stop giving thanks. For I keep my eyes focused on your righteous words. I do my best to be blameless and to follow your ways, God, keeping my heart pure. I keep my integrity by surrendering to him. And you, Lord, reward me with blessing. This is the treasure I discover, that when I keep my heart clean and thankful before your eyes, Lord, it is clear to me now how we live, how you deal with me. Good people taste your goodness, Lord, and those that are loyal to you. You prove that you are loyal and true. I thank you, God, that all at once you turn on a floodlight for me, that you are the revelation light in my darkness. I thank you that in your brightness I can see the path ahead. I thank you with that with you as my strength I can crush an enemy horde. And I thank you that through every stronghold that tries to advance against me, you stand in front of me. What a God you are! Your path for me has been perfect, 
and your promises have proven true. I thank you that you are a secure shelter, that you turn and you hide me in you, that you are the God who wraps himself around me, giving me grace. God, is there anyone like you? You are the only God to be worshiped. I thank you that you've wrapped me in your power and you've shared with me your perfection. I thank you that I can ascend to the highest peaks of your glory to stand in the heavenly places, strong and secure in you. I thank you that you've trained me with the weapons of warfare worship. And now I descend down into battle with power to chase and conquer my foes. I thank you that you empower me for victory with your wrap around presence. Your power within makes me strong to subdue. And by stooping down in gentleness, you strengthen me and make me great. I thank you, God, that you've set me free from captivity, and now I am standing complete, ready to fight some more. I thank you that I've caught up with my enemies and I've conquered them, and I didn't turn back until the war was won. I thank you, God, that I was able to pin them to the ground and break them to pieces in your strength, because you, God, have placed your armor upon me, and you have defeated my enemies, making them bow low at my feet. I thank you, God, that you made them all turn, tail, and run. For through you, I have destroyed them all. Forever silence, they will never taunt me again. I thank you, God, that that when I shouted to you, you rescued me, and you pulverized them to powder and cast them to the wind and swept them away like dirt on the floor. Thank you, God, that you gave me victory on every side. For look how the nations come. Even those I've never heard of come and bow at my feet. As soon as they heard of me, they submitted to me. Even the rebellious foreigners obey my word. I thank you, Father God, that the Almighty is alive and conquers all. Praise, I praise you and lift high to the unshakable God, towering over all. My Savior God is worthy to be praised. Look how he pays back harm to all who harm me, subduing all the people who come against me. Thank you, God, that you rescue me from my enemies and you lift me high and keep me out of reach from the grasp of my violent foe. That is why I thank God with high praises. I will sing my song to the highest God so all among the nations will hear me. Thank you, God, that you've been merciful and kind to me, your anointed one, that favor will be forever seen upon me, your loving servant, and to all my true seed and every heir of this promise. Amen. See the difference when we thank him. It didn't say thank you and all those, but I put a thanks before that. That's what you use when you don't know what to say. If you don't know how to thank him, you grab scripture and you begin to magnify who he is and what he does. And that's what's so beautiful about Psalm 18. So I want you to take that psalm. I want you to take that place where you need breakthrough. And August is going to play for a little bit, and I'm going to pray over you and take some time if you want to write about it. But I want to bless you before we leave um, and before we break, and then, and then we don't see each other for a while. Father God, we just thank you, for you are our mighty shield and tower. I thank you, God, for your wrap-around, life-giving presence that comes and touches every single woman in here, Father God. Lord, I thank these women for their willingness to search you out, for the fact that they would stop on their Wednesday morning to search and hear you and find you. Holy Spirit, would you come and touch them now?
especially in this place that they've laid before you where they need breakthrough. I just anoint each and every one of them with the power of thanksgiving that they would go forth today and they would feel equipped. They would feel strengthened. They would have the gift of knowing how powerful and mighty they are because of you, Lord. And thanksgiving would be upon their lips. Thanksgiving would be so accessible that it would be the first fruit gift of their lips every morning and throughout their days. Lord, show them that they can dismantle the enemy by sticking the sword of thanksgiving in his belly. Show them how powerful they are as they stand on your platform of thanks and praise. Show them how they can access you all the time by magnifying your greatness. In Jesus' name, I pray. If you need prayer, Katie and Tori are going to come up and they're here to pray with you. I bless you and look forward to seeing y'all after Thanksgiving. Thank you, Yes.